Yeah, my feet are still warming up from the ice bath. Really? <laughs> it's cold out there. <laughs> it takes a while. It's winter, foggy. Adam's out there in his skibbies. Yeah. Steve, splash. <laughs> Steve watched me from a safe distance <laughs> from the ice bath. I cheered you on. You're the real man. Everyone needs a real man of the family. I have these fuzzy slippers on, and they can't do anything for my frozen toes. It's going to probably take the entire interview to warm up. <laughs> so, just got off an elk hunt last week. My son shot a triple XL cow elk. Biggest cow ever. <laughs> what do you think of those hindquarters in the fridge? Took the entire fridge. <laughs> it's crazy to think. Like, I couldn't fit anything else in there. Yeah. That was a big cow. Tricky thing with elk hunting is, you know, people like struggle finding them. And I wanted to talk to you about where are the elk? <laughs> How do you find them? How do you shoot them? So we're going to dive into that today. We're going to solve that, all the world's problems of elk hunting. It's, it's really tricky, though, because, like, we go out for a day, me and my son, and he shoots one at 930. And the comment I get back at the office, I come back the next day, and I work for a hunting company, so everyone's like, how'd they, how'd they hunt go? How'd they hunt go? And this one guy was like, man, you just, you just went out for the day, shot an elk, and came back. And I was like, it sounds like that, but that's not what happened. <laughs> it's like we went out two times before that. We went out last year. I know that area super, super well. Mm -hmm. We shot the elk right next to the one I shot last year. Do you see that a lot too? I know you heard, uh -huh. you, that was the comment with your sheep hunt. Exact same comment. Wow, you, that was a short hunt. You, you were only out there for a day before. So I shot my sheep morning of the hunt, start. My buddy shot his the next day. No, sorry, two days later. The morning, two days later. So we had a day between. Yeah. And they're like, man, you filled both those tags. And that was so fast. I'm like, I've been hunting them for three years. This is the first one I've shot. <laughs> So the hard miles that you have to put in to find where the animals are, figure out how they how they operate, where they go, how they move, what they eat, that's the stuff that takes time. People don't get that, right? you got to spend time out in the field doing that. And the first two hunts we went out on this cow elk hunt, we show up at the parking lot, and there's eight horse trailers there. And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and there's only one way in, one way out. And so... You know, those elk were bedded very close to the trailhead, but those horses come in. I mean, they're pushing them. And if one guy shoots an elk, the the rest are going to book it, and they're just going to go deep and deep and deeper. Tell me about your sheep hunt. Did you run into some public land? Let's call it fellow public landowner. <laughs> so first of all, the public land is great. Everybody can be there. Yes. And I do believe that, and I'm grateful for everybody that has that opportunity. But yeah, we were, we bumped into it. I'm gonna say we bumped into a guy, but a guy bumped into us. <laughs> <laughs> we scouted the area. We knew where the sheep were. Morning of, we hiked up up on this big old plateau to get to the sheep. You know, we were 150 yards from them. We hunkered down to eat a snack, get a little water because it's a pretty substantial hike. You know, mm -hmm. straight up for two miles or whatever it was, and just kind of resting there for a few minutes before we made the final stalk into this this herd of sheep. There's probably 15 sheep in the group. And uh, we look across the the tundra, and some guys just booking it across the top, and he'd come up the backside of the mountain. I don't think he knew they were there. 
So it all played out very interesting. We're sitting there watching this guy, and he's just trucking, you know, just oh, getting somewhere. He's got his gun over his shoulder. And good on him. Great place to hunt, right? But he's about to stomp into the sheep, and I don't think he knew. Oh. And I don't think he knew because when he got like 40 yards from him, you could see him visibly stop, almost take a step back, pull his gun off his shoulder, get ready to shoot, and the sheep were just scattered at that point, right? Yeah. The funny thing was we're standing up like waving, like trying to get him to stop because he's mm-hmm. walking right into him. He didn't see us. So that Sitka gear worked really well. <laughs> he couldn't see us <laughs> jumping up and down. And so they blazed and just scattered, right? The sheep did. And he never got a shot off at that point. Later, later in the afternoon, we heard him shoot in a distance. I think he finally harvested one, which is good for him. Glad. But me and my buddy hustled over there real quick because <clears throat> we'd put a lot of work into oh. finding the sheep, knowing where they're at, working the wind right. I mean, everything was perfect. We were two little knobs away from just being able to... Jeez. At the mor- in the morning, we're like, we might be able to get two rams down, right? Because they didn't know we were there. The wind was perfect. The timing was right. And uh, when he scattered them, we're like, well, there goes everything. Oh. I'm like, ah. How far away were you when you saw that all happen? So the sheep, we were about 150 yards from the sheep and probably 200 yards from him when we first saw him. And really? he did, he literally walked right directly into that herd. <clears throat> Jeez. He didn't get a shot off. They scattered everywhere, so we ran over by him, and we all kind of split up and worked the top of this mountain because they, they 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 scattered over the edge, right? And it actually worked out well. I ended up harvesting a sheep that morning, kind of kind of funny. They all scattered, and we all took a different direction. And where I went, I went out to this edge of this cliff and looked down, didn't see anything, so I hiked down the cliff and went another 80 yards. It was like stair-step cliffs coming off the top Jeez. of this mountain. And I get out to the next cliff... And I'm looking around, don't see anything, don't see anything. And I go to turn to go back up, and I kicked a little rock, and it kind of dropped off the edge. And this this uh, ram was below me on this sheer face, but he's tucked back. I didn't see him. Wow. And he busted out. He ran about 80 yards, and then he stopped and looked back like, what's going to get me? Oh. And I was able to put a round in him. And, and 80 yards? Yeah. Wow. And it, it was interesting. This is talking about being prepared for a hunt. I'd been... Every time I've hunted sheep, when we've got close enough to shoot at them, it was a still long distance, four, five, six hundred yards away, right? So I'd been practicing out to 650 so I could take a four or five hundred yard shot and comfortable, and I'm, I'm very comfortable with that range, and I had forgot to dial my scope back. So when I pulled up on him, all I saw was a sheep. Uh, <laughs> it took the entire yeah. scope up, and I'm like, there's a shoulder. <laughs> Pretty f- interesting to watch because he was right on the edge of this next cliff where he looked back. I shot, and he did like a flippity dip over and dropped Whoa. out of view. And I'm like, pretty sure I hit him. Sheep don't usually flip before they go over an edge. Jeez. Um, so I had to hike down that next cliff and across and down, and he was just right at the bottom there. And so really good shot. Um, put him down. Anybody's curious, I used a hammer hunter bunt bullet. Love that thing. It just really? dropped him. Every time I've seen anybody shoot with that, those bullets are amazing. Wow. I'm not. No. It's, it's just that's Shameless plug for a good a good product. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's no money coming back on that. Yeah, and Sitka gear. And Sitka clearly. gear. Yep. <laughs> That's also right. fool, fools humans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it was actually funny when we were hiking up that morning. A little bit of a tangent. My buddy and I kind of got separated that morning. I wasn't feeling real good, so I was just not hiking well. You know, I just mm-hmm. kind of had upset stomach. Wasn't feeling well. And my buddy's like, I'm just going to keep going. If you make it up, you make it up. If not, I'm going to go hunt him. I'm like, yeah, go, go, go. Yeah. So we ended up going up the mountain probably 100 yards apart from each other. And I would get looking up, and I'm like, man, I can't find him. 
And then he'd start moving again. I'm like, oh, there he is. And this happened the whole way up. And when I got up there, he's like, man, I can never see you. I kept looking back. I'm like, I don't know, Steve, where is that? So the gear worked really well, right? (laughs) Uh, Super happy about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're talking about rifle hunts, and I know this is a bow hunting podcast. Sorry. No, I I mean, my cow elk hunt with my son was rifle. And I I am glad, because it's funny, I did this last December and did a recap of our rifle hunt. But you can learn a lot about hunting regardless of the, the weapon. Yeah. And that's what I really took away on this cow elk hunt with my son. My boss came out and joined me. His name's Kendall. And I was so happy to have him there because of how he was processing the animal and what cuts to make. And it's interesting because I had only processed one elk before that and helped with another one. And I was kind of standing back, just kind of carrying meat. So I, and and it was funny, he was getting started and I said, man, you, you're really proficient with this. How many have you done? And he's kind of counting on his fingers and I think it was like 18 or 20 elk. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you, you know this. And I think that's the biggest barrier of hunting is like, he's making these cuts as if he's shuffling a deck of cards. Yeah. I mean, it was just like muscle memory. And I'm sitting here watching, I'm like, okay, you know, watching where the tendon and where to make the entry cut and all this stuff and what not to cut, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, this is why people don't get into hunting. I mean, just watching him and I'm like, this takes, you think about the finite window you have, you have hunting season, then like all the stars have to align. Your spouse has to be okay with time away, time off work. You go. You have this like finite moment to shoot an animal and then someone comes out and teaches you how to cut it up. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really hit me how, why hunting is so freaking well, hard. The, the first buck I really ever had down on the ground, this is 15 years ago. It's on the ground and I'm like, crap, now what do I do? Yeah. I got my phone out. Hey buddy, what do I do? Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> right? Because the it was just me and I'm like, well. Get the yeah. skin off, you know. <laughs> yeah, got it figured out. And so, yeah, that cost of and that cost of membership is high, right? Like, yeah. how do you get there? And nowadays, I think I've got enough animals on the ground that I'm like, I know how to start and mm-hmm. get going. But it's it's not it's not as simple as you might think. Yeah, with elk on, elk hunts that you've been on and ones that I've been on, the one thing I really noticed this last time was you really watch their bedding areas, mm-hmm. and it's nice when there's five inches of snow on the ground because i mean it's like tracks are fresh there they yep. are yep and you can smell them like crazy i mean it's just like wow you know it's so apparent but tell me about your experiences you've tried to get in on them and what what clues you're weighing in on to help others try to find elk yeah so obviously we're looking for the right terrain elk are where they are they're not where they're not we know that Snow is a great way to do that. We had a hunt this fall, my buddy with his son. It had dumped 12 inches of snow the night of the yeah. night before the hunt, and every track out there was fresh. We're like, okay, we got that. But I've had many times where that smell, everybody who wants to hunt elk should figure out what the smell of elk is. <laughs> and it's very, it's this musty urine smell, right, where they've been bedding and everything. I've been surprised how many times I'm like, man, it smells like elk, and I go like four more steps and bust out the herd. I'm like, oh. They were just right here. So I think if you can smell them, they've been there recent. They're going to be coming. And I don't know if they're going to come back, but 
they're around. You should be adjusting your your speed through the landscape if you're smelling elk. You know, yeah. You could just and it is. It's a it's just a smell. Years ago, I was out actually for work, and we were on the backside of a mountain for some work I was doing, and we were setting up for a test in my uh, profession, and I'm like, I smell elk. And one of the guys working, he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I smell elk. There's elk here. And it wasn't a half hour later, we found an elk shed just off from where we were doing our testing. Wow. And I was like, there's elk living in this canyon. They weren't there right that, but sure. they, they were there in that morning. They had to have been this as wow. much as we smelled. And he's like, you're crazy. You can smell elk. And my wife is really thrilled with the fact that I can smell elk here. And she's like, oh, that's so exciting. You can smell <laughs> elk. And that sarcasm, she's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's intense. Yeah, me and Kendall were talking about that too. And I was like, yeah, you know, we got about a mile in the trail and we just started smelling it. I mean, it was just hitting us in the face and the the droppings were super fresh. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, we are on them. And so I was telling my son, I'm like, we got to slow down, catch our breath, make smart decisions and just ease into this thing. And yeah. that's kind of what happened. We eased around this area and there they were you know we saw about eight or ten on this ridge and i was like oh there they are okay let's get set up yeah that's awesome well i can count i don't know how many times it's happened many times though where we're just busting to get up to the top of a mountain where we think the elk are as we're getting over the top you start smelling the elk you're out of breath because you're just walking hard hiking up all your gear and you're like i just got to get up over this ridge yeah. and you get up over there and bust them out so almost always when i'm getting close to that like 90 percent of of cresting over stop take a breath get my wits about me smell and then work over slowly because it's amazing how many times you get over there and they're, they're they're right there and you're out of wind you can't. You couldn't pull your bow back and aim. Yeah. Um, I had one opportunity to shoot at a cow with my bow years ago. We were chasing this herd up hillside, and it was getting dark. And I had um pulled back on a cow, like thirty yards. I was so out of wind, I couldn't even see through my stupid peep sight. Oh. You know, my arm was shaking, and because my, my I just didn't. I didn't have any air in me, right? And oh. so I think there's some strategy you can use when you're getting into them, where you stop, take a breath. If they don't smell you and you're not pushing them hard, even if they move a little bit, they're not going to move a ton. Right. Right. So get your wind right and just stop and take a breath. Because it's no good if you can't you can't hold steady rifle or, or, or a bow. Yeah, I came around a corner on some deer, and I was trying to hunt deer and get into some areas. And, like, I spot them from, like, 150 yards away. And they saw me, but then I ducked into these trees, and I was, like, hidden. And it was awesome. And I was like, oh, heck yeah, this is super cool. And so I'm walking around, making this kind of long approach. And I'm like, I'm going to walk into these things and come around this bush. And I was like, oh, they're probably not there. Like, sometimes you have that pessimism come mm -hmm. in. And I was like, ah, I'd be blown away if they're still here. I come around, and they are right there 30 yards. And I'm just like, oh. And I didn't have an arrow ready. And I'm just like, okay, let me pull an arrow out. Let me just go have a picnic over here. You guys sit and wait for me to shoot you. And I pull back, and then they started to move. And I let an arrow fly because I felt good about it. They were still – they weren't fast. It was like just kind of shuffling, and I missed. And I, I think it just – I wasn't prepared. And, you know, stopping and, and also having some optimism of like, okay, I know where they are. I've got to get ready and kind of duck over this thing. But yeah, it's 
that's what we learned this last week though on that elk hunt was like all right call, get our wits about us because once you start seeing animals and you can take shots everything changes yeah that's when it's fun <laughs> even if you don't get anything yeah you're just working with the animals and you're in their space that's that's hunting for me yeah having it on the ground and being able to eat it is awesome but just being in their space is awesome have you ever heard the term my buddy and i use it all the time it's common i think but you can you can fool their eyes and you can fool their ears but you can never fool their nose yeah and this is really true with animals with my buddy's uh, ram he shot he was skylined the wind was right but everything else was wrong the sheep saw him they're looking up at him later after he shot this sheep when we went down where it was, is down below us, look up, you could see that it was a bad spot for him to be sitting up on this ridge. But he sat and outweighed those sheep. 15 minutes, still as could be. Wow. And eventually the sheep were like, oh, must be nothing, and went back to eating. Right? Wow. Then he was able to get his gun up. He was able to get the shot ready. 60-yard shot at a sheep, which was... Kind of phenomenal. I mean, we were close, right? Jeez. And he was able to fool him, but the wind was right. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. Yeah, and I think for new bow hunters, that's the biggest barrier as well, is just like getting into that zone. And it, I feel like the biggest thing that holds people back is they just quit too early. I mean, you don't find them, you don't have shot opportunities. It's just super easy to get discouraged. The cost of membership, like you said, is so high. Yeah. Well, I went out, I hunted all day, didn't see anything, so I came home. Yeah. Okay. I can count almost every animal I've shot has been near the end of the hunt mm. after busting it all week long, right? Yeah. I mean, it just it takes time. You yeah. just got to And the videos don't portray that well. You're like, well, we went hunting and we shot it. Here it is. Yeah. But you look at timestamp and it's like a week later, right? <laughs> or it's the next weekend because they spent the entire week, went home, went to work, came back the next weekend, right? I mean, it takes time. And I will tell you, it takes multiple years. Yes. Right? You just got to be in the field. You got to be in the field. You got to be in the field, which is a hard sacrifice because we're choosing to be away from our families when that happens. For me, what that means and what that tells me is I have to make sure my 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 stuff at home is figured out. My wife knows the time I'm going to be gone. I'm not gone all the time. I'm, I, I work and I take care of my family and do my other duties, but when I'm hunting, I, I spend the time. Yeah. I've had to do that with boundary setting as well as like, here's when I'm leaving. Here's when I'll be back, yep. you know, cause I always get that. Here's my biggest issue early on, especially is I'd be out and I'm like, okay, hey, I'm feeling good. And I get that text from my spouse and she's like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning, when you coming home? And I'm like, oh. and I have this battle of like, well, I haven't seen anything. I'm not on anything. Yeah. And it's just that little twitch of like, okay, I can just pull the parachute. I can just pull the ripcord yeah. and, you know, peace out. So that, that was, that took me years to overcome and I should have quit bow hunting so many times. I'm surprised I still kept at it, honestly, because like I didn't have a lot of success. Those, like I talked to some bow hunters and they're like, yeah, it's my first season. Yeah. I got this cool bow, you know, and all these things. And, oh, wow. I dropped this big four by four, you know, sitting in the stand. And I'm like, oh, you've been you've been bow hunting for like two months <laughs> and it happens sometimes right yeah. they talk about luck versus providence versus all that and that does happen sometimes for me the first elk i put on the ground with my bow was hunt number six i think mm -hmm. right and then three hunts later i put another one down but as i've gotten better 
the frequency of harvesting is is a lot more. Yeah. Right? But there was a lot of years where I took my bow for a walk. It was a wonderful walk. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but just didn't get close enough. I didn't have the right tools and I didn't have the right skills learned yet, you know. Yeah, and and I'm not by any means like jealous or bummed or anything because when I did get that first animal on the ground, it was like a three-day adrenaline dump of just, I did it, I did it, I finally, I mean, I called everyone. I was just like, I shot a deer, and it was a pretty dinky doe, <laughs> but it was so epic. Like, I, I still, it's amazing those, I remember that first hunt way more than any other shot or kill. And it's like all the details and everything, but it really did like, you have to have like an internal battle with yourself to just keep going out there and finding them. And I think that's like, and that's with deer, that's with anything, sheep, whatever, but elk are freaking tricky. Mm -hmm. They are so, I don't know. They, they have a ton of tenacity as well. And the way that they can move across a landscape is astounding. Well, they range huge, right? Which is funny that that is a true statement, and yet the two cows you've shot have been within 50 yards of each other. Yeah, yeah, right? It's true. So they do range. They have, it's not like a deer that stays within a couple of miles their whole life, right? Mm-hmm. They range really big, but habitat still is habitat. They, they have protection and food and water. They're going to be back. So that is what I want to dig into a little bit. We, we've been talking about habitat and what are the qualities of habitat that people should be looking for? You know, when you say, yeah, they're looking for a habitat. So one of my buddies told me one time, this was actually very eye-opening to me. He said, when I, we we're talking about habitat, how to figure out what the deer, elk, and whatever the animal are eating and where they're at. He said, do this for me. Look up Google, do a Google search of like elk trophy shots or whatever, kill shots, right? Not kill shots, but the picture of the guy standing with the dead animal that picture, right? Yeah, yeah. Google those. Don't look at the animal, but look at the 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 the, the food behind him. Oh. And you start doing that. You start looking at these animals. You're like, that's where they're at. This is the type of bushes they're eating. This is the type of food oh. they're doing. And there's a lot of research out there in what those animals are eating. But in my mind, I've had many times where I'm like, this is the stuff where elk should be, and I never find them. And then you get looking at the plants. You're like, well, they don't eat any of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And elk really eat elk a lot of different things. But that was kind of interesting to me. So I'll go look up, like, Barbary sheep, and I'll look at the bushes in the oh. background. That's where the animals are. That's what they're eating. That's one of the things, right? That's cool. But food, shelter, water. But then water, that's a tricky one, right? You think, okay, well, they have to have water daily. Sheep don't. They get a lot of their moisture from the plants they're eating, right? Oh. If there's nothing pushing them, yeah, they'll go to water, but they don't have to necessarily go to water. So you can go sit in the water for a week and a half and not see sheep coming in, right? Jeez. It just depends on the animals. Does come to water a lot more often than their bucks do. The mature bucks, they're, 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 they are they can go longer distance, right, oh, okay. without getting the water. But there's lots of things. Randy Newberg's got a bunch on different types of foods that animals are eating, what they're looking for and everything. I like the trophy shot or the grip and grin, you know, photo of... Uh, that's so interesting. I never heard that i never thought of that before that makes so much sense though let's talk about shelter for a second so okay we shoot two cow elk a year apart within 50 yards of each other yeah okay i'm I'm thinking in my head what where they were and what this looks like really steep deep ravines mm-hmm. i mean we're talking so two guys come out and help us pack out the meat, Kendall and Josh, and they're coming from different areas. 
Kendall's onyx point was throwing him all over the place. He's like, I couldn't find you guys. I started whistling and started yelling and, and then I could hear him re- respond. And, and then Josh came in a totally different direction. I mean, we were in steep, steep ravine, you know, pretty yeah. intense contours. And I'm thinking, and I was taking that in and I'm like, they like this. They're protected here. I mean, these are walls. Absolutely. What else have you seen for shelter per se, the elk like? So, you know, um, away from main roads generally, you'll you'll always see deer cro- deer and elk crossing a road. I mean, there's exceptions to the rule, but they generally, I mean, you said you found 200 head of elk in this herd. They've got to have a little bit of space to put 200 elk in there, right, <laughs> for food yeah. and everything. So away from a road, depending on the time of year. I actually was listening to a podcast the other day, and I can't even remember who, which one it was. I'd give credit if I could think who it was. But they basically said during the rut, elk don't like breeding on the steep hillside. So during the rut, rut, they're going to be down on the flats if they can do it, if they're not getting pushed around, mm-hmm. right? Out of the way, right? If you can get back a mile, I think that's helpful. It's interesting, though, a couple years ago we did a hunt. I'm in New Mexico is where I'm from. We did a hunt back in an area that was all um, wilderness, and we decided we were going to go back six, seven miles. So we packed our camp back and had a great time back there, but we actually found the elk a lot closer to the boundary than what we thought. We had hiked past the majority of them. Jeez. So sometimes there's people are like, I'm going to bust in, you know, 10 miles and find them. They may not be there, right? The other thing that's interesting about habitat and, and these animals will want to stay out of where people are. So the deer hunt I just finished up in October, I was up on a peak glassing and I found the buck that I was going to shoot and I was able to hunt him that evening and, and, and harvest him, which was awesome. But during the morning part, when I found him, he was only probably 20 or 30 yards off of a main dirt two track. And while I was watching him and this other buck he was with, three vehicles came in and turned around right there and they never saw him and he Jeez. didn't bust out. So I don't believe animals need a ton of space if they feel secure. They hear cars four-wheelers side-by-sides all the time but if you're not pushing into their actual zone they're not going to push off if they feel like they're secure right and literally if these guys could have seen that there's a buck across the bushes from them they wouldn't have they would have stopped right it was just right there and i'm and it's funny because i'm watching i'm like oh no they're going to bust them out and those deer just kept eating didn't even care wow the trucks came in drove out three of them oh my i'm like oh interesting (laughs) and one of the trucks was a guy that had camped at the road trailhead and when i got out that evening after harvesting this buck he had packed and left so he spent the day driving the roads and never found him right oh man so getting out of your vehicle do the put the put the put the miles in walking see as much as you can that hunt all day long i was getting to the next high peak and glass and everything get to the next peak glass and everything there's a place i hadn't hunted before well but grateful for the harvest anyway yeah, I remember an opener I did down in southern Utah near Moab, and I, you know I am just jacked up. Great tag. I know the area. Been there many times. It was for archery, and I get in the four wheeler, and I'm like driving two miles. Get out of the four wheeler. I'm hiking two miles. Took took a shot that morning at like eight in the morning. Missed. And I'm like, okay. And you just, sometimes you have to go with your gut on things. And I just had this weird intuition, like I should check my bow. I should check my sight. And I felt a little stupid that I should have checked it the evening before. And so that was poor form on my part, but I was alone. And I don't know, sometimes when you're alone, 
you don't think very clear, I guess. I don't know. You, you, you know what you know, and you have a little bit of tunnel vision rather than a buddy being like, hey, let's sit in our bows. And so anyway, I go back to where I'm staying all the way back, take off my pants and put shorts on, and I put on my sandals, my Chaco sandals. And I'm like, because it was hot. It was 9, 9.30 in the morning. And it is blazing hot. And set up a target at like 40 yards. And as I set up the target away from the camp where I'm staying, I look over. There's a big 4 by 4 buck in velvet drinking water. And I'm like, you? And I'm 20 yards from him. <laughs> no bow in hand. It's back, you know, 40 yards away. And... I walk back and I'm being real sneaky and I'm just like, I got to go shoot this thing. I go get my bow, bring it back to the target. And finally he kind of perks up and is like, Oh, what's over there. And I get a shot and I get a lung shot and he just books out. And what's funny is this was 30 yards from a main road that dirt bikes, four wheelers, cars have been driving all morning and he's on a spring. He's drinking water. And I'm just like, Oh, you know, so it's so funny. I spent hours away from where I was staying and a big old, I mean, to me it was a trophy buck, but I never recovered him. The shot was too high. And the other thing that was my mechanical broadhead faux pas, I don't think it deployed. Oh. When I found the when I found the broadhead, it was like perfectly intact. It didn't Open break up. open. Yeah. And so that was heartbreaking. But I followed blood forever. It was just trickles. Just tri- and I had shot probably two or three deer before that. And just these massive streaks of blood everywhere. And I was just like, What the heck? What did I do wrong? And and the shot was so close at 20 yards yeah. that I just Sly, slightly think. misjudged it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shoot, it was high. But there he was, 30 yards from huh. from where I was staying, right next to a busy road. I mean, a busy road. And it was a great little spot. But <laughs> gosh. It's funny you mention that every time I think about when I'm hunting, I'm like, I got to go find a bush, you know, yeah. go tinkle or whatever. <laughs> I, I'll go to leave. I'm like, I better take my gun. The second I get over there, I'm going to walk around the corner. There's going to be sitting something staring right back at me, right? Yeah. Or my bow, whatever. But. I know. That's the thing is like, oh, and then, so I, I take the shot and I'm sitting in shorts and sandals <laughs> in this nasty scrub oaky sagebrushy crap. I'm looking for droplets of blood and whatever. So I'm like, okay, I got to stop what I'm doing. Go get my, my gear on. So just infuriating. I was just like, <laughs> dang it. I'm just making every mistake, you know, but man, I, I think also too, in my mind, I was overconfident and I lost my edge yeah. and I was, all I could think about was I'm going to be holding those antlers in like five minutes. That's all I could think about. And I was less focused on the shot and I was more focused on that velvet of just people are going to be so proud of me. Yeah. And I, I, that's where I missed the mark. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Oh, that's frustrating. But you shot, you've shot a few elk with a bow. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the one that was, you're waiting on water or something. A cow elk came by. So, yeah. So that one was an interesting hunt. So we had actually that morning. We had backpacked in pretty far. We were probably three or four miles back in. 
and got up into this meadow. I'm telling you a first story before my story. Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we got up over the top of this, uh, into this meadow, and popped over, uh, sounded out a bugle, and the entire canyon came alive with bugles. It was just oh. like, oh, my gosh. It was like the perfect opportunity. They were answering. We were calling. My buddy, it was his turn to shoot, so he headed down after this bull, and I stayed up top and bugled and just raking a tree. Just got this this elk pretty fired up, and he was just worried about me, and my buddy was able to get into like a 20-yard shot. Jeez. Shot him. He died quick. So... We cut him up, harvested him, backpacked him out. It took three of us. We did it in one trip, so it was a pretty heavy load. Jeez. We got back to camp about three, and I'm like, I'm done. And this was like, the, this was the, there was one more day of the hunt. This is the second to last day of the hunt. And um, just just wore out tired, and um, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. And my buddy's like, you need to hunt this afternoon. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll go sit on this water over there. I'm just done. My legs were done. And so it was actually about a mile hike into this water. It's kind of this little secret little water hole that we know about. It's pretty cool. Anyway, I get in there. I sit down. I'm just sitting. It's pretty steep elevation, kind of like these stair-step hill, and there's a water, a pretty good water spring there. And I get sit down. I get up my little Western book I was going to read, right, and uh, text my buddy. I'm in position. I open my book. I read a half page. I look at the book, <laughs> and there's a cow at the water, like, right there. <laughs> I'm like... This is like five minutes, right? I Jeez. pulled my bow back, shot the cow. I got her a little high, but I spined her. So she didn't go anywhere, so I was able to put another arrow in her. Because I was literally shooting down at her, right? Wow. So I got spine and one lung. Jeez. So I was able to finish her pretty quick. This is all happening in like five, ten minutes. I text <laughs> my buddy, I got a cow down. He's like, what? <laughs> you're lying to me. I said, no, I'm not. Because oh it's God. a mile hike in, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, bring the backpacks. We're going to haul this out. He's like, you're lying to me. There's no way that happened that fast. No, it did. I sat down. Oh, wow. And the cow was just there. And it was that, was, that was pretty cool. But I wouldn't, he definitely encouraged me to go sit that. But I That's my cool. legs were done. But we hiked the cow out. There's three of us again, another mile of hauling another animal. <laughs> That's intense. But that was a lot of fun. It was a good opportunity. I think one thing when you talk about these heavy packouts, because elk is like, yeah. When you go to pick up huge. a rear quarter on a bull, <laughs> you don't know how heavy they are to you're like, I can't get this thing off the ground. Yeah. It's heavy. No, it's bonkers. I think one thing, we, we finished our pack out last, last week and we got back to the truck and you feel so accomplished. You're just like, oh my gosh, I'm done. Like all I need to do is just, put a little bit of pressure on a gas pedal and I'll get home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it feels really good. And you know, but I was sitting there and that was a hard hike out. We had a four mile pack out Yeah, for ours and we wouldn't have done it without these two other guys. There's and that no was way. four of you counting Beckham, four of us counting my son Beckham. Beckham's still what? 78 pounds wet. I mean, he's not, he's, he's growing, but he's still just a, a young teenager, right? Young, young I mean, teenager. He's got some good mountain bike legs from being on a team. But, you know, we gave him the back strap and the tenderloin, right? So he probably had 20 pounds, yeah. maybe. And I had a hindquarter, huge, holy smokes. I mean, just like a punching bag. Yep. And then, but we got everything out in one trip. But we were sitting there talking about it. And we're walking out. We'd been walking for like half a mile. And, my, and Kendall's like, all right, if we... If we see some, if we see another one, shoot it. Cause I still had a tag to fill. Oh, I didn't yeah. fill my tag. It was just Beckham's. And and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I want to shoot anything. And then we get like a mile from the truck, and he's like, I'm really glad you didn't shoot anything. Cause <laughs> we get back to the truck at like four o'clock. The sun's still up. It's a pretty evening. 
you know, a little romantic, right? It's like, ah, this is so cool. And uh, I'm like, no, there's no way you could have had me go back up the mountain and be like, okay, well, you go get that other one that you just shot. Like we would have been there till midnight. Yeah. hundred percent. But I, I was going to say though, and I felt this when we we're sitting at the truck and we we're exhausted. We don't do this every day. We don't do this every week, you know? And you think about like guys who go play basketball on Saturday mornings and they go, they go do that every week and that's their ritual. And, and that's fine. I, I don't do that. But that's what they do. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, we're all trashed. We're all exhausted drinking mm-hmm. Dr. Peppers on the tailgate. And, uh, and I'm just like, I know we're trashed and we're exhausted. But like the soonest we'll do this again is like 11 months away. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're sore, we're tired, whatever. But I'm not going to call you in three days and be like, hey, I got another elk down. Let's go do this again. So yeah. like take some celebration in that discomfort and be like, all right, it's okay. I don't know. I don't know your take on that. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. And actually those sheep we shot this year, both of them were in a, just in a bad spot they, they always are sheep are in bad spots. Right. Yeah. But it was something that I don't want to say pride in a bad way, but there's that as you're walking off the mountain, every one of those hurt leg, yeah. uh, those steps, you're like, Oh, just love it. Oh, love it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I got to show you a photo that Kendall sent me and I'll have to explain what this is. But Kendall texted me that photo. He's driving down the highway. There's this beautiful white, what is that? A Denali Denali, truck and GMC, you know, and he's got these elk legs sticking out. And it's, what's funny about this is the antlers aren't sticking out of the back of the truck. It's the legs legs. sticking straight up. And he was like, oh, someone probably got a cow elk, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that, that looks about right. Because if you had the bowl, if it was a bowl, the antlers are going to be sticking I'm going to show out. you my picture. Okay. <laughs> this is a Subaru Brat <laughs> or whatever that is. Like the Baja. Little, the Subaru Baja. <laughs> we pulled into a campground. This is up in Colorado. We were camping right after my deer hunt. Holly and the kids and I went up to uh, camp there. And I pulled into like a rest, like a bathroom there yeah. in the campground area and I'm like that's the weirdest looking thing and it's a little Subaru Baja with elk legs sticking out of it and and antlers and antlers yeah, yeah. Ball, ball elk we found this guy up the trail we hiked he was bringing the last quarter out oh. so he was by himself and this is his fourth trip wow. pulling this bull out from five miles back there whatever Ooh. anyway I I all of a sudden kind of want a Subaru Baja I know I saw that I'm like that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> Well, my truck is, you know, F-150, a little bit of a lift. It's got a big first-generation bow hunter on the back window, decal. And there's some times where I'm like, you know, I hunt a lot of public, kind of like, do I want this much attention? <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe I want the Subaru Baja, have a little PETA sticker on the back. <laughs> Get people to leave you alone. Yeah, leave me yeah. alone. Don't take anything out of my truck yeah that's funny but no you're right there's this sense of pride of like and uh, you know i would have propped up the elk quarters probably a little differently i don't know that is funny you say that because i i do have that pride i maybe would have driven home with some legs sticking out just but i didn't i got my little cover on and you know, no one would have known what was back there. Yeah. And there's, you know, 300 pounds of elk in the back of my truck. But I love that. I think it's good to be prideful. Not like, in a bad way, but especially when you put a lot of work in. Yeah. Right. You've just 
I mean, man, you've busted your butt. And there's a lot of years, a lot of years, the majority of the times I've hunted, I've come home with nothing, right? Yeah. And, but I still love the hunt. Last couple of years, it seems like things are coming together a little better. I'm finally learning some of the lessons and applying them, right? The third time the animals wind you, you're like, okay, I got to check my wind. Yeah. I got to check my wind. I got to check my wind. On that sheep hunt day two, when my buddy almost had a shot at one of those, that ram, the wind just turned and it was wrong. It was at our backs. We're at 600 yards. I'm like, we could take a shot. No, we can't. Too mm. far. The wind's wrong. And we're like, well, they won't smell us from 600 yards. All of a sudden, the whole herd <laughs> gone. Oh, it man. did. So your wind is super important. Yeah. I love that. Main thing, though, I think to wrap this up is like, you just got to keep getting out there. And that's something, you know, when I'd call you after I'm coming off a, a hunt or something, I'm like, well, then this happened and this. And I thought I was close. And, and you're like, okay, keep going. Keep getting after it. You know, like... It's kind of like the, I think it's the Jocko quote, the count is zero. So it's like, you can do everything, but like a new day comes and it's like, that kind of doesn't matter Mm -hmm. for you to show something for that. You have to arrive again. You can't live two weeks ago and be like, well, I had a really good shot on a buck two weeks ago. It's like, that kind of doesn't matter. You can use that data and use that information to help you, you know, but it, everything resets to zero honestly and you just have to keep after it did we talk last time i think we have off the air did we talk last time about needing to be an optimist to be a hunter because you can have the longest hardest day nothing goes right and i'll get back to my camp and i'll be like man tomorrow's the day yeah (laughs) i'm ready to go you have to have that mindset because Mm -hmm. more often than not you're going to get back to camp without anything more often than not you're going to be skunked and you're like and a person could very easily say i'm done i can't do it yeah but somewhere in that space you got to get i don't know if it's mentally tough or mentally prepared like all right tomorrow's the day yeah tomorrow morning i'm gonna walk out it's gonna be right in front of the camper you know i think that's super important as far as encouraging you to keep going every day that you can yeah and there's like as i've posted more on instagram and shifted more into bow hunting i mean it's pretty much all i talk about now on instagram my account and i'll get messages from like old college buddies or people from my mormon mission and they're like i'd love to go bow hunting with you and i'm like nope (laughs) like (laughs) i like i've seen you in very comfortable state complain about very basic things like if you're bothered that your internet connection is slow and you can't binge watch walking dead like bow hunting isn't for you (laughs) (laughs) and so i it sounds very judgy but and i think that's why i solo hunted for so many years was because i was like i didn't want to deal with anybody else because i was like i can control very well what i can do and one thing i've really loved about hunting with my son is he's picked up my optimism Mm. and he's like okay this is gonna work you know and even on that long pack out i mean he just kept his nose down and was just he was trucking and i was super proud of him but even without much weight it was it was a hard hike out i mean super hard but i i'm with you it's like optimism can be some of the greatest tool you bring out into the field Yep. So optimism, you got to stay in the field. You got to be there. You got to put the time in. I think the theme of this was go be there and stay there yeah. and, and put the work in. I remember some of my first earliest hunting mentors, great people, a couple older gentlemen, but their entire 
thing was we go hunt for an hour in the morning, then we play cards at camp mm. for six or seven hours, and then we hunt the evening because that's the most effective. And I became a better hunter when I packed a sandwich, put it in my pack, and said, I'm not coming back until nightfall. I'm going to hunt the entire day, and I'm yeah. going to keep thinking, keep working, keep looking. And I've become a better hunter because of that, right? That's how I felt even this last week was I came ready to spend all day out in the field. Mm-hmm. And that's can come with the territory that I've seen these elk move in the middle of the day. I've seen them do things that you don't feel like are, well, they're not at the water hole. Well, okay, well, we, we can go back to camp. And I've learned that over, over the years. I, the other greatest piece of gear I ever have was a one-gallon Ziploc bag that we've talked about meal prepping yep. and putting your meal in and saying, okay, here's my two, 3,000 calories. And this is weeks before the hunt. Yeah. We've is... built our calories. They're in a bag. I've got a box in my camper or my tent, wherever it is, and they've got my day food figured out. And, and what that does, and this is why it's so important, it takes the decision-making out mm-hmm. of the day. And I was wearing a dark colored shirt the other day, a t-shirt. It was like a black t-shirt. And someone, I don't know how, I made fun of myself about it. And I said, oh, I look like Mark Zuckerberg today. And someone's like, what? What do you mean? And I, I was like, well, Mark Zuckerberg wears the same colored t-shirt every day. And if you, if you Google Mark Zuckerberg, You'll see him. He's wearing the same T-shirt. I never and knew that. <laughs> Elon Musk does it, I guess, as well. They wear the same T because they say it's one less decision I have to make that day. And it's I, I have to be so effective that I can't wake up and say, am I wearing this or that? And that's pretty wild. And, and that's what I found in hunting. When I pull that gallon bag out and I've got 2,000 calories in it, it's like, okay, I've got my mandarin oranges. I've got my tuna thing i've got my but man when you're having to like oh i think it's back at the tent oh i left some food back there i don't know what i need to bring and it's not that we don't bring enough it's the mental thing of this gallon bag of this is my day this is gonna buy me 10 hours in the field yep yep yeah no that's a good reminder i gotta dive into that more because i think that's that was one of the biggest barriers for me was i just gotta go back to the truck i need to go get food mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so. or worse you end up getting something down on the ground and then you're like getting in the shakes because you don't have enough calories to ha- pack the thing out and i've yeah. had that i'm like oh, i should shame on me i should have had i should have had the colors with me yeah no i that is something too like i've tried to do is like after i'll take a shot and i know it's a good shot the animal's down I'll actually slow down and just stop and just, that's a really good time to eat because once you start rolling the ball down the hill of Mm -hmm. prepping the animal and getting on, you don't stop. It's like, Oh, we got to hang the meat. Oh, we got to do that. Oh, we're in such a rush. Two, three, four hours goes by and and you haven't stopped and taken a drink. You know, I was going to show you a picture that explains that exactly in my mind for me. I'm looking through too. I from our hunt, I I felt like it, it. Things just get so hectic so fast, and it's like slow down, eat what you've got to eat. Yeah, it's. I'll see if I can snag these pictures from Steve too. Get them up on my Instagram. While you're looking for that, one of the things that was really cool, we're working on the animal, and Kendall was like, "Oh, look!" and he pulls out the bullet. <laughs> <laughs> the round that hit the animal in the shoulder. That was really cool. 
So we pulled that out, and then we have the brass to go with it. So, okay, what do you got? So it, I'm looking at a hunter on the side of a hill with a beautiful sunrise or sunset? Sunset, sunset. end of the day. Okay. This is just after my buddy harvested a ram. We took a couple pictures while we had a little bit of daylight. Like, let's cut this thing up. I said, I need a, I need a granola bar. Yeah. I sat down, got some water, got oh. my granola bar, got some calories in me. He did the same, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever it was. Then we got up and we harvest. We cut up the cut up the ram. Got it. Yeah. Got it hiked out of there, right? But that was the. I need five minutes. I gotta. I gotta take care of myself so I can get the rest of this done. Man, that is I. That's what they don't talk about in the YouTube videos. <laughs> it's like bam, smack, wow, look, oh, animal on the ground, and it's so. And we're back to the truck now. <laughs> yeah, and we're back to the truck. Oh, that was the craziest pack out ever. Yeah, I, that is such a great example, that visual story of, like, slow down. Because that five or ten minutes is going to last you a long – I mean, it will last you the yep. rest of the hike. Yep. And a couple hours up over this mountain, down, and we were on the wrong side where he oh. shot it, right? And it was deep breath. Okay, let's go. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It was worth it. Every Every step was worth it. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks for coming back on. This is the second time you've been on First Generation Bowhunter. That's right. My royalty check should be coming in soon. Right? <laughs> he, even, <laughs> he even wore his T-shirt. Too. I got my first generation bow hunter. As I was getting dressed this morning, I thought we're going to podcast. I need to get in the mode. That's right. I should have thrown on my hat. I The gal who makes my T-shirts, she gave me a little Christmas present this year. She made me one of those Stanley cups and etched in venison smoked daily on the side. That was very kind of her. And then she did a leather patch trucker hat with first and generation it, and it's hunter. it's pretty slick yeah so i'll have to post that see if people want to snag snag a hal do a run of hats or something but thanks for coming more prepared than me yeah. i just brought my fuzzy slippers <laughs> my feet are cold <laughs> from the stupid ice bath so yep. all right well thanks so much for joining if you like what you're here make sure to jump over to apple Podcasts, drop a review those really help and and i was going to remind you too steve make sure to Go to blackovis.com and do a review for Sitka clothing that it fools humans as well, apparently. That gear is amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Uh, this has been episode 76. Thanks for joining and consider subscribing and texting this to a fellow first generation bow hunter. All right. We'll see you on the next one.